This is the Kratom Science Journal Club with Dr. Jonathan Cachet, neuroscientist and expert in psychopharmacology. In each episode, we discuss an article in a peer-reviewed journal. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Okay, so this article is psycho- Psychoactive Substances of Natural Origin, Colon, Toxicological Aspects, Therapeutic Properties, and Analysis in Biological Samples. And this is from a group from Portugal, um, Universidad da Bira Interior. Uh, I don't know Portuguese, so that was probably a bad pronunciation. (laughs) The uh, country that enacted decriminalization of all drugs in 2001. Yeah, treating drugs as a drug addiction as a healthcare problem, not a criminal justice issue. Yeah, which lowered, uh, they had a decrease in overdose deaths and a decrease in the use of drugs. Um, So this article is basically going through a list of plant psychoactive substances they're widely available in nature and now the beginning they say the consumption of new psychoactive substances has been increasing and this problem affects central several countries worldwide how much of a problem it is is debatable especially with some of these it's funny they call them new psychoactive substances because these are all traditionally used at least going hundreds of years back as For- hundred percent. hundred percent. That was my first note. And, you know, look, I feel like I say it a lot, but I just don't like I, I don't know why natural scientists don't understand the disconnect between like uh, the first paragraph saying uh, these are novel and we have no idea if they're safe, followed by another sentence that then says used for centuries. Like, <laughs> Do you not see the disconnect here? Um you know, I, I, I can't blame them. I looked and saw they were from Portugal. I thought they were going to be from the U.S. Um, but yeah, in most cases, I would say that the paper is better described as essentially like um, ethnobotany colliding with analytical chemistry. And we're sort of like teetering back and forth between those two. But, you know, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. One of the other things in the intro that caught my mind along these lines was um Consuming some of these NPSs or novel psychoactive substances um, results in symptoms that are often confused with symptoms of medicines. And it's like, (laughs) wait a second. Uh, So it's doing the same thing that medicines do. You know, maybe they're saying that people just because it feels like medicine, they're treating it as medicine, but then it's not acting as medicine or we don't know if it acts like medicine, but it's like, you know, usually doom and gloom is symptoms are confused with like overdose and potential respiratory depression and death. Not uh, pretty similar to all the medicines that we take. The European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction defines these compounds as a new narcotic or psychotropic drug in pure form or preparation that is not controlled by the United Nations. It's basically just freaking out a little bit. I mean, the, the actual article has is pretty substantive and you can actually learn about these things but uh they have this kind of like freak out caveat in the introduction <laughs> that uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's, it's kind of like you know this might be dangerous we need to control this stuff 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess it, it would be worthwhile to differentiate too between like compounds that have been used for centuries and are obtained from natural sources. So like almost all of the, the, the plants we're going to roll through that they, that they uh, spoke to what they didn't speak to. And what I think actually represents a more clear potential risk of danger um, is some of the research chemicals where, you know, you're literally just saying, oh, this is the compound, the alkaloid that's in the plant. Let's modify it, you know, just a little bit and we'll see if it still hits the same receptors and causes the same things. It's sort of like what um, Shulgin did with, with uh, the phenylalines and the tryptamines. Like he just modified them a little bit and saw how it changed the, you know, the overall uh, experience of using them. And so, um, yeah, I certainly, you know, I certainly always re rely on stuff that's been around for a while and used by humans for a while and wasn't essentially cooked up in a lab because we know what the chemical structure is now and we can modify that and get around, uh, you know, get around controlled substances act. So I just want to, I wanted to make a clear differentiation between those in terms of what we're saying and what's safe and not safe. It, it seems like a lot of the traditional use, you're pretty safe uh, as long as you use it in the traditional way. Um, I'm thinking of like with uh, coca leaves, um, once it's extracted, consumed in massive amounts uh, by uh, yeah. by uh, people, um, then that's when you, that's where you get uh, maybe into a a, a dangerous or an unhealthy uh, yeah. yeah little <laughs> thing there. And cocaine is a great example. Yeah, I mean, you know, chewing the coca leaves is not the same as a line of you know pure cocaine. Um, yeah, and. Uh, you know that that because of that the abuse potential i would say in the leaves is like practically nothing but if you yeah. go if you go over then your your abuse potential is pretty high yeah so i guess um we'll just go through all these because i've definitely not tried most of these uh <laughs> a nut um the fruit of the tree originating in Malaysia and Sri Lanka now growing in other continents consumed for stimulating relaxing or aphrodisiac effects ericoline er is the main psychoactive compound that functions as a GABA inhibitor and I looked and you can buy it, buy it on eBay <laughs> oh interesting on, yeah. uh, on eBay huh <laughs> yeah so I had never heard of this one there was only I think there was this, the Jameson, and the one we're going to get to after this that I had never really heard of. Although maybe I've heard of the compounds that are in them, so I just don't know like the plant name from which they're derived. Yeah. Um, but this one does seem interesting. It's you know used by uh, Hindus and Buddhist people for since antiquity, they say. Mm -hmm. um, and it, when it comes to providing, oh, and also just an interesting note. Uh, this is possibly stimulating, relaxing, or aphrodisiac. And I feel like almost every compound in this paper is, and also aphrodisiac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but so with this who's one, writing it, this it stuff? Out, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's almost like, well, humans uh, humans just want to have sex in any sort of different mental state. So it doesn't yeah, really matter yeah. what it is. It's just worth any a try, excuse. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, really. For sure. Um, so the stimulant properties of these compounds are interesting in that they work by inhibiting the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA. So you're, um, you know, essentially in a, a gas and a brake analogy, you're, you're preventing the brake from working. You're, you're breaking the brake. 
and those are spelled okay. <laughs> spelled differently. But uh, yeah, so you know, most stimulants are generally like dopaminergic, or they can hit uh, glutamate or NDNA, or they hit like a uh, uh, some sort of hormonal or adrenaline type uh, activity. Um, so this one, you know, it reminds me in some ways of like ketamine, where ketamine works by inhibiting the stimulator to make things more inhibited. This works by inhibiting the inhibitor, hence more stimulation. So just an interesting, an interesting spin. And also with the with the uh, nicotinic and muscarinic uh, activity, you know, that's related to uh, muscle movement and muscle. Uh, you know, sort of like muscle easiness, um, smooth, smooth c contracting and whatnot. Um, so yeah, you know, I was kind of intrigued. It seems like an interesting uh, psychopharma psychopharmacology uh, spectrum there on this one. It's this fruit is also used in the treatment of malaria, fever, hernia, hypertension, urinary stones, and the manufacture of formulations for the treatment of digestive diseases, diarrhea, and indigestion. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like a cure-all. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, with the GABA receptors, that's does that do the same thing that alcohol does, or does alcohol do the opposite? Yeah, alcohol does work at GABA receptors, but it also just like broadly messes with the entire context. Like, okay. So there's changes in the permeability of neuro neuron membranes um, and, and stuff like that. So it's not specifically GABA. GABA is an interesting receptor in that there are, um, several binding sites that we know about. Um, and so like benzos typically target GABA, but not necessarily the same, um, you know, receptor binding site as where alcohol would bind to. Um, so there are, you know, several different ways of interacting with GABA and not mm. all of them are the same, which is um, different than let's say like dopamine one or serotonergic, you know, although again, serotonergic should be risky, but um, you know, D1 receptor binds dopamine primarily, whereas these GABA ones bind much more. And they're much older. GABA and glutamate are basically the most ancient uh, neurotransmitter systems in the animal kingdom. And uh, I guess you could see how it could get more complex over time in that manner. Yeah, it just it basically looks like orange coconuts hanging off uh, some kind of palm tree, a rake nut. Uh, it's also called betel quid. Um, but you can buy fresh organic areca nut, uh, 50 grams for $3. <laughs> wow. Uh, for, but, uh, shipping from China, Hong Kong, Taiwan worldwide. So you might never get it or it'll take like three months and it might be uh, rotten by the time you get it. So I don't know. I don't really know that whole, uh. Yeah, that whole so trade. Was, <laughs> I, I took a peep in Airwood for that to look at the experience vaults. Yeah. And so there are not many for the beetle nut. Um, uh, there are, but I guess, uh, you know, compared to others, it's not necessarily. Um, some of them said, like, I've taken it every day. you got to have a real potent dose to get simulating effects. Otherwise, it's, um, you, know, no, you know, it's very mild. Um, if you get a bad dose, you can get, like, really nauseous. Um, this other one was interesting. He says breathing speed up, rapid heartbeat, woozy and head rush in some ways reminded me of that old locker room stuff. Um, but last longer and likely, likely are healthier. Um, apparently he's saying locker room stuff like glue sniffing. I, I, didn't, 
I didn't uh, I didn't know that was locker room stuff. I thought maybe he was talking about, you know, like they don't have them in the store anymore, but gas stations always used to have these little like yellow capsules that were for energy. And I think they had ephedra in it. And, it, you know, it just it, it's, it's part of the reason why I generally don't like stray from the classics when it comes to, uh, you know, psychoactive substances, because I don't want something that's almost like something and then also just gives me a really bad headache and makes me sick. Exactly. Why don't I just, <laughs> I just stick with the classic? Yeah, yeah. I, I even tell that about people with Kratom when they ask me, what it is. Oh, I'm like, no, if you want this, do cocaine. If you want this, do smoke mm-hmm. weed. Don't come to Kratom for that because it's not... I mean, it's 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 good. It's good, but it's not all the stuff that you want. Uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost every one of these compounds that has been used since antiquity has a long list of um, potential things that it could treat. You know, so we, you had yeah. just mentioned that like malaria, fever, hernia, hypertension, urinary so and it being sort of a catch-all. So I'm wondering to myself, how much of that is actually plausible? Or, you know, back in those times, someone came in with a symptom and you're like, yeah, well, try this, you know, and just sort of you're really just you don't know why it works. You don't know what it's targeting. You just know it makes people feel different. And if they feel different, maybe they'll placebo themselves out of or like kickstart themselves out of whatever symptoms they're hearing Mm -hmm. uh, or feeling. So, you know, and it's almost the same with cannabis in that you look back at the history of the medical use and there's literally books. Um, like reams of encyclopedic books about treating different things with cannabis. Um, And, you know, also there was also, you know, a parallel with that book. There was an entire book, encyclopedia book on how to make women not hysterical, like all of these different types of hysteria. And it's like, Jesus, this is, this is misogynistic based on nothing. And uh, you know, just uh, I guess an indication of where they were in terms of their, uh, you know, understanding of biology and medicine. Yeah, um, but it's interesting to ponder. That, that's funny. I, I it, again, it's like who wrote that? <laughs> maybe you're exactly. maybe it's, you're the problem, doctor. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And but you know, but to uh, you know, looking back is is twenty twenty. But I mean, I would assume at least some of those people who wrote sort of uh, you know all this stuff were convinced based on the information they had at yeah. the time and how things were. You know, it's not like yeah. Something like that now would be like, what are you talking about? That's not true. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Hindsight's 2020 or 2021. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the next one they have is uh, Morning Glory. Um, I can't pronounce either of the names that they give. Uh, Argyria Nervosa. And they call it A Nervosa, which sounds like a uh, uh, anorexia nervosa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so morning glory seeds and they saw them as Hawaiian baby woodrose uh-huh. uh, have LSA in them lysergamide which uh-huh. is similar to LSD so it's supposed to cause hallucinogens etc um, if if you <laughs> properly extract the stuff from there which is not what I did I basically drank yeah. a small amount of lighter fluid and made myself sick yeah, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I think about that sometimes when people want to try these. So I, I, I see baby, the Hawaiian baby wood rose, you know, it's generally right next to the kratom and kava in a in a head shop. I don't remember trying it ever, um, yeah. but I wouldn't. It's possible that I did, but I, I remember sort of a distinct phase 
where I was like into these things and looking at them and then uh, would try to do an extraction to a certain extent, you know, just based on something on the internet. Like at the end of the day, you got to think what is a more efficient, what, what is more efficient at extracting things than your digestive system? Um, so it's like, yeah. you know, just take it in its form. I, I, do you know if you have to actually extract it? I mean, can't you just eat the seeds or eat whatever it comes in? I'm and trying to see, gotta... and I'm sure you could probably make a tea out of it. Uh... And I think it was with the serotonergics in my personal experience where I like learned the lesson to just stick to the classics. Yeah. Um, because kind of like I retired at the beginning about research chemicals. It's like, there's different two C's, two IEs, two AD, or, you know, whatever, but it's like, um, all of those just feel slightly off and weird. I never really have a good experience with them. So it's like, you know, not, not very enticing anymore. I think, especially as I get older. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, this LSA is uh, kind of like LSD, but a lot milder. And so it's like I probably have morning glories growing on the fence, like up above my house or something. And mm-hmm. I could probably go out there, try to pick them and do something with them. Or I could call my cousin and get some ass. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd rather do the second one. It says originally from India, widely distributed in Europe, Af- Africa, and subtropical America. But I see them around here as well um but mm-hmm. not the actual i guess the hawaiian baby woodrows have the uh the most stuff in it but and the next one is ayahuasca which is a popular one these days um mm-hmm. everybody talks about ayahuasca i remember when only back in the 90s when only uh weird druggy people like me knew what that uh. was but now since Joe Rogan has talked about it, like every jock knows what DMT is. <laughs> right, right, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically two things. It's a leaf and a root. Um, well, two, those are two separate things, but yeah. that's how it's prepared. Yeah, That, that okay. makes ayahuasca. And um, Banisteriopsis <laughs> capi is the vine, and Psychotria viridis are the leaves and it's brewed into a tea and people trip for long periods of time. I just had Shane Moss on the podcast and he did a documentary called Psychonautics where he took a bunch of ayahuasca and like kind of the peak, the peak uh, moment of the documentary was he took a bunch of ayahuasca. Then he couldn't sleep for three weeks and ended up in a psych ward. <laughs> but oh uh, boy, yeah. But I th- I think it was the uh, sleep deprivation that was kicked in by the the uh, drug, and not everybody does that. But you can go, I think, to some South American countries. I think maybe Brazil or somewhere else, and pay a guy who's who's the uh, shaman to uh, give you ayahuasca and as far as I can I've never I've never done this DMT or any of it um, Mm -hmm. but as far as I can tell it's there's a lot of vomiting and uh, with the ayahuasca anyway uh, with the pure DMT I don't think people like trip really hard Mm -hmm. for about 10 minutes but uh, with the ayahuasca there's a lot of vomiting and uh, and then you're like five hours of tripping uh but you can this is like a tourist thing that that uh, people who can go to South America can do 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize the uh, ontology or the, the etymology of ayahuasca, but it, it's a com- composed of two terms, aya and wasca, meaning spirit vine. Um, okay. And on its whole, it essentially means rope of the soul. Um, so, I, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So they're extracting DMT and giving it to you. And the other compound from uh, the, uh, not, not the roots, the stem and then the leaves, it contains a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So mm. it prevents the degradation of the DMT, which otherwise would be rapidly um, uh, uh, like enzymatically removed from the synapse uh, in your body naturally. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of interesting things about where ayahuasca is now, where it's going, DMT in general. I mean, I think the postulation about or the hypothesis about why it gets degraded so quickly is that essentially you have a small pocket of DMT or DMT-like alkaloids in your brain and they only get triggered during birth and death. Um, And I guess they want, you know, I guess they don't want, I guess it just gets bursted out quickly and then it, it gets degraded by the monoamine oxidase. Um, so that's interesting. Okay. We make it ourselves and it comes to birth and death. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is that, uh, like you're saying, there are, there are a lot of people who describe the ayahuasca as more of like an introspective, um, educational like session rather than sort of like the i would say happy-go-lucky or uh, group interactive you know laugh till your till your cheeks hurt of like mushrooms or or lsd it's sort of a different a different beast and of its own and it seems to be that a lot of people um are able to you know essentially essentially one of the best things with all the psychedelics is you get that ego dissolution so you sort of like get yourself out of the way of of how you talk and think about yourself i mean i think that that happens and it and it helps people confront you know maybe very deep and i know some people that would even say like you know ancestral at meaning like the people before you um Mm. uh any problems or anything like that um so and and it's also um it's also uh it seems to be like essentially a reset for the brain's pleasure system and this is helpful for people who have depression. Um, I think the quote in the paper, they study a, uh, they say studies have shown that a single dose of ayahuasca leads to a rapid reduction in depressive symptoms and that this reduction is maintained for three weeks without, uh, you know, additional dosing, which would be, you know, which it, if that was made in big pharma today, it would be like, uh, you know, a miracle uh, to uh, maybe not for big pharma, but for, but for the people suffering, they could take it once. And not have to continually take things uh, forever. Yeah. Um, and so, because of that too, with this reset, especially of the pleasure setting, there's also indications that this is good for moving past addictions, um, you know, to alcohol or other drugs. And so, you know, I don't think I don't think ayahuasca is going away anytime soon, um, but it, it certainly is picking up steam. Um, yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's actually something you could also order online. The the actual, uh, DMT is an illegal drug, but the actual uh, stuff, like the plants, are legal to order. I think just once you uh, put it in the crock pot or however you do it to uh, make it, then it becomes illegal to extract the DMT. But um, 
Uh, Terrence McKenna is a good one. He was the guy in the 90s that was like touring colleges and talking about his DMT experiences and talking about self-transforming machine elves that he sees that are... Uh He talked about them as though they were real beings instead of... I like to think of it as more like you're getting into the programming of your brain, which Uh is what Shane Moss, when I talked to him, you know, he seems like kind of a science guy and he doesn't really... He's not really a spiritual guy. He does a science podcast called Here We Are, and uh, but he's done DMT a million times, and uh, yeah, he just thinks of it as, it seems real when you're going through it, this is how he described to me, but it's, it's you know, you just have to think of it as pictures of your brain programming rather than actual elves that are visiting you, that's the fine line right. between psychosis and uh, having a successful uh, psychedelic experience, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's like an in between dream world. But it, what's interesting about that, and I just I I got to listen to the the Shane Moss episode, and also his yeah. I didn't know about this Psychonautics movie. Um, yeah, it's but... it's yeah, it's great. It's on something Amazon, one of the things we have. What's interesting about what we're describing, though, with the sort of well, there's two things I want to say about religious and and not religious use let's just put that to the side real quick but when people use hallucinogenics generally they don't see the same thing over and over and over again you know it's very context dependent most of the hallucinogens you don't see anything you know edges become sort of wobbly and blurred and you feel like you're seeing something for the first time but if you do it at the beach versus doing it in the woods versus doing it in a desert Um, you generally will not have the same experience over and over again. But with DMT, there seems to be elements that are consistent no matter how many times you do it. And so this this, uh, Shane Moss headline says he sees the same purple woman. Um, And I've heard other people describe it where they like they find the guide. And every time they get there, the guide's there, and then he takes them, you know, around and whatever they whatever they got to be doing. So yeah. that's something particularly unique, and I don't know if there is even a, a scientific explanation for that that we could even fathom. But that that part's interesting. The other thing too about religious use versus non-religious use, and this is, you know, maybe I'm just I'm I'm not, not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but I'm kind of, you know, it seems to me like an old artifact, and I I want church and and government and church and state separate and so religious and i guess this you know this is totally my perspective but you know i was confirmed catholic went to catholic school that's one type of religion and i i think when i think about what religion is that's i picture that and i don't see dmt in that equation whatsoever um but because of the special consideration given to the term religion you know a lot of these compounds can be used in a religious setting. And, you know, aside from, aside from being able to access these online, you know, when it comes to DMT, I am fairly certain that it would, that you can Google trying to find like groups or sites around your area and you can go do it with people, especially if it's your first time, do it with people who know what they're doing. Um, But, you know, religion in this sense is like any sort of like internal introspection, you know, spiritual enlightenment um, and intellectual exercise. Like it's essentially you're doing it to have some sort of like therapy. And I, I don't know if us allowing or saying that we use it for religious purposes, you know, not, it's like, uh, it's like glossing over the, the true depth that is actually there. Um, and that, you know, 
people yeah. people use it to sort of understand themselves better rather than like giggle and watch lasers um yeah so yeah it, it does seem in a lot of the comedy podcasts that i listen to that are based out of california it seems like there are plenty of places that you just got to google and like make an appointment and then you go and you're with people and particularly the shaman like i would um and this goes for almost all, it does it goes for all drugs you should never do a drug for the first time by yourself with without you know the uh physical watch or input from someone who has has experience with especially it. if you've so, never done a psychedelic before next one is interesting which is i, I want to try is cat k-h-a-t cut i don't know if it's cat or cut uh adulis mm-hmm. and the thing i just learned about this stuff um, from reading Carl Hart's book is synthetic. It has cathinone in it. That's the uh, alkaloid, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, the synthetic cathinones are what has been marketed as bath salts. So it's it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of a like an upper type thing, kind of along the lines of cocaine. It's traditionally chewed, uh, but uh, you know. It's also can be extracted into a powder and snorted, um, but uh, yeah, it seems like a, a chewed stimulant in uh, West Africa, Yemen, Ethiopia, Arabian Peninsula. This plant is often used as a drug of abuse since it allows to mimic the effects of synthetic cathinones, but with lower risk of intoxication, with no record of deaths associated with its consumption. So <laughs> they're saying. Yeah, that's kind of a weird sentence yeah. because it's like it's been it sure used is. for century, but uh, it's used in place of bath salts. <laughs> but no, I think uh, you know what came for this the chicken or the egg situation there. So I've known about this one, and it a uh, it definitely is popular among like the labor force, right? It sort of like comes from the same location at not not geolocation the same like motivation and use as kratom in some ways like Mm -hmm. or caffeine in some ways yeah um it is dopaminergic i think is what i wrote down um and it's structurally similar to amphetamine um okay the the cathinin i didn't realize that that's what bath salts were and i think this that's a, a great example of what i was mentioning like um research chemicals can be dangerous because that's essentially exactly what they did. Like, so like the one that's in, in the cop, it's not necessarily that dangerous, especially if you're chewing the leaves, but if you make a synthetic one, that's just sort of like that, um, it could be, it could be potentially dangerous. I thought it was also interesting. This is one of this, in this article, they mentioned how, um, how quickly it is photo like de- degraded after sun exposure. Um, so, LSDs like that, they say cannabinoids are like that. I don't understand why cannabinoids would be, um, but because uh, the main compound degrades so quickly, um, it's not really uh, it, fresh leaves versus leaves that are older or have been dried or stored longer will have a different effect. And so, like in some ways, if you wanted to give it a go, ordering online, you know, you're almost certainly getting plants that are like harvested. A- months if not way more than that ago um versus like being able to walk up to the plant and pick a leaf off and then chew it i think that's how the real ogs do it um and and i even looked this one up and it's actually i think it's illegal in in the united states but somebody some european distributor was selling fresh uh cat leaves and Hmm. i was almost i almost 
bought some just to see if I could, but uh, mm-hmm. I lost the link. But uh, and the whole bath salting in and of themselves were were a cause of drug hysteria, which is back to like Carl Hart's book. He was talking about the guy that uh, he bit some guy's face off uh, by a, the highway, and there was all oh, these headlines really? yeah. of drug zombie and bath salts, and it's just because. Uh, one cop said, oh, I think he was on bath salts. It wasn't even, uh, and it turns out, uh, the blood test, this guy, I think he was shot dead, uh, but the blood test, he had, like, a small amount of THC, it, and it was, it was like he was having a psychotic episode, uh, yeah. based on no drugs, no bath salts, no, you know, so. You know, I don't even think he bit anybody either. I think when I read the clarification on that, it was like, uh, a, a single eyewitness mentioned that after seeing, like after driving by and essentially the person was probably giving the person on the ground CPR, but then this notion yeah. that they like ate the skin, just sort of, you know, it's a drug yeah. hysteria. It's wild. Yeah. And, and, and it was like right in the middle of walking dead. So it became bath uh-huh. salts uh-huh. caused people to be zombies and, Reading that, I was like, okay, this stuff might be crazy or something, and you know, maybe be careful and don't take it or whatever. But it was like, there's something off here. Like this is way too out of The Walking Dead, and yeah, yeah. page clicks, whatnot. So exactly. <laughs> so the next one is uh, Jimson weed, and I think I actually just burned a Jimson weed, uh, dead Jimson weed thing. I think it has those uh, spikes on it that stick to you. It might have been a different plant, but I think it grows all over North America. And it was interesting to me that it was actually used by Pueblo Indians for analgesic properties. Um, and then they also said it was uh, kind of like a stronger dose, was was more of like a... Whatever. There's a lot of rituals of there there would be in Catholic culture like confirmation or Jewish culture like bar Soul mitzvah, yeah. and, and yeah, with yeah. Indian culture it's like the kid has to go into a cave for a month and not eat, <laughs> <laughs> or we have to attach uh, like they really put them through the shit. They suggested in this article that it was it may have been used in the, in that kind of situation as kind of like a ritual where you know you give them a bunch of jimson seeds you. Get nuts and then you come back and you're you're a man and you're ready to hunt now um so these these things i've heard a lot of stories about this stuff like uh kids will look on the internet then go get a pot of jimson seeds smoke it and then end up banging their head off the kitchen sink and (laughs) going nuts and the police are called and and uh whatnot Uh, and even hunter s thompson said uh yeah, I've only done it twice. He even he even yeah. warned, he even warned against it. So if Hunter S. Thompson's telling you to be careful with something, then uh, you should be careful with it. But apparently, you know, if you get the right small amount of dose, uh, it was actually just used by uh, the Playblows as uh, analgesic and and uh, like a uh, uh, what do you call it for wounds and stuff. So I had never heard of this one. Um... The it does. I see the spikes looking at photos of it. You know, the leaves kind of look like the leaves on a holly bush or holly tree, yeah. Like they, they come to a point, um, and the flowers yeah. look pretty wild, um, like it, this weird spiral pattern with wings. That's pretty cool, yeah. Um, 
what is concerning to me with this one is that they use squapolamine. If I'm saying that right, let's see if I'm saying that right. Squapolamine. Right. <laughs> Scopolamine. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's the alkaloid. Yeah, so what concerns me here is this the scopolamine in that uh that is a known neurotoxin, like poison. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, this is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, you can eat the puffer fish, but do you really want to eat the puffer fish? Like it's just <laughs> yeah, it yeah. seems risky to me. Um yeah. so I, I I yeah, I'm not I'm not I don't think I have any desire at all to even try this one. No, 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 no. I'm I'm staying away from it. I'm crazy enough as it is. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I I don't think like they're warning about oh this might become a drug of abuse. I I really don't think don't do Jimson weed, everybody. Yeah, stay away from Jimson weed. Stick with if, regular weed. If you're listening to this podcast for advice on what to do and what not to do, you probably have bigger problems. So I don't. <laughs> I'm not really worried about. It. I don't think when you look it up, they'll say like a poisonous compound. I don't think that they're just like substituting hallucinogenic and poisonous. I think they actually mean poisonous. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole thing. It's 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 like this is the uh, the. Um, fallout of crying wolf about stuff like kratom uh there's like actually dangerous stuff that mm-hmm. that uh you know you really that you should be cautious more cautious about and when you like read the whole article and and you know they say kratom causes hallucinations or something crazy like that and you're like oh i've had kratom no it doesn't let me try some jimson weed yeah uh, so yeah. and i think the next one uh mandrake is also also has scopolamine in it uh it seems to be related to uh the jimson weed because it looks i mean the flowers look similar the leaves right, look a sure little does, similar yeah. so compromise the automatic nervous system resulting in an anti-cholinergic action and constant Consequently, reducing neuronal activity mediated by <laughs> acetylcholine. Yeah. Okay. Also mentioned to have aphrodisiac properties, <laughs> uh, increasing fertility. Um, anticholinergic action, though, and I think that's you know I think that was also in the in the uh, yeah anti-muscarinic effects. So like the nicotinic acetylcholine muscarinic you know, realm of your body is how muscles like fire and contract. And so if, if you're messing with the signals from like your body to smooth muscle contraction or, um, uh, you know, heart rate, you're you're keeping your heart going, you're messing with that. And it just seems like a, a scary it's a, a scary system yeah. to mess with. It's like it's like you know messing with the oil lines on a car. Like critical to functioning, um, and if broken, like whole thing can break. Uh, maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but it, it, there are a lot of neurotoxins that mess with the acetylcholine and essentially just stop your muscles from contracting or uh. force your muscles to contract fully and then never stop contracting, and you die from that. Yeah. Um, so be weary about any cholinergic drugs. Yeah, the last two seem to be useful if you want to like murder somebody by poisoning them, <laughs> rather than uh, you know have fun or increase your whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the yeah, next one yeah. here's another one I haven't tried that I want to is peyote, which is 
southwestern cactus. And right. it's actually legal if you're in the Native American church to use peyote for religious purposes. So this yeah. is mescaline's the main uh, the main uh, right. ingredient in there. And um, yeah, tripping. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Peyote <laughs> is mus- uh, mescaline. Um, and so now we're in the like phenylalanines or phenylalkylamines. Um, so in some ways, like I would say this is sort of a, a tried and true classic mescaline. Mm. Um, I've never done it myself. I don't know if I've ever even really had an opportunity to. Would I? I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, probably, but I don't know. I kind of like what I like. Um, <laughs> but I hear there's is, a lot of vomiting involved with actual like peyote, just like with uh, ayahuasca. So uh, it's, I, it's just a whole night and a whole thing. Uh, but I think like maybe mescaline is. Uh, probably more like lsd where where it's uh extracted and it's a little uh, Mm -hmm. less of an experience yeah a buddy of mine described it he did it once at a concert an outdoor show and he said he sat down on a hill watching the stage and then he couldn't get up and that it was like his feet were in cement blocks and he was like stuck there for a while even though (laughs) <laughs> you know, he's an experienced fella and yeah. he's like, you know, I wasn't freaking out. I was trying to get up and I just couldn't do it. Um, so I huh. think from that story onward, I was like, you know, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. I like, yeah, I don't know much about it other than it's uh, uh, religious uh, for uh, Native Americans in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. And next one they have listed is Kratom. We've talked about that a little bit on this podcast. No, uh, Kratom. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole thing, sure. the whole point to... Uh, Adverse but, effects when consuming this plant. Withdrawal, yes, there it is. withdrawal, seizures, weight loss, dehydration, fatigue, insomnia, constipation, and hyperpigmentation. <laughs> By some old guys who have drunk it their whole lives. I think that's where they got the hyperpigmentation. You know... Don't oversell the bad effects because you got Jimson weed right there. Just don't cry yeah, wolf on, don't cry wolf about drugs, <laughs> scientists. Just be careful. Yeah, honesty is <laughs> the best policy. Yeah, there are drugs that are very dangerous. Yeah, and uh, the other one, oh, the other one's kava. That's the next one. Um, and I've had this. I had like a some kava extract, but I actually want to try the tea, and I still haven't done it. But you said you uh, said you do you like you, yeah you like yeah 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 you know often my wife and I um, uh, like if we're at a barbecue or something we don't feel like drinking alcohol we'll yeah. brew up a big thing of kava prior to going um, you know it's generally taken as a treat uh, a tea there's a whole ritual there um, but and, and generally it's more concentrated like it's almost like a shot of tea or like three or four shots of tea and you can sip it and your inside of your mouth will start tingling a little bit. Um, but when we're making like a big batch, we'll generally make, a like a, uh, chai tea and then, uh, you know, five gallons with the, with the, the kava in it. Um, in some ways it's, it's almost the, you know, exact sort of use profile or, uh, psychological profile as alcohol in that, like, it's a, um, it, it, it is, it makes you less restless. Uh, it can lessen anxiety or even pain, um, just by, increasing inhibitory action on your brain you know and in some ways you could say a very very mild 
benzodiazepine um, or, you know, like a, a very uh, low concentration alcohol. Um, but I, you know, and there's kava bars all over the place popping up now. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I had even considered, you know, trying to pull something like that together uh, in the college town we live at. Oh, really? Um, cool. Yeah. So kava kava i think is not well known um and maybe underrated in that it gets thrown into uh, this category um with all these other crazy things you know like jimson yeah. weed like jimson weed and kava should not be in the same category um <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah so i i enjoy kava and i use it um you know rather rather regularly yeah and it's it's originally um like in fiji it's used traditionally they make a big old bowl of it everybody sticks a cup in drinks it on youtube there's like some kava rituals and everybody looks like they're feeling good after about three or four cups of it just mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. like alcohol but a little more mellow a little less mm -hmm. aggro <laughs> than yeah, alcohol yeah. yeah that's no that's, hangover yeah yeah i wouldn't imagine You're hydrating instead of dehydrating then Look the next it. one's uh, psilocybin mushrooms. I think everybody knows about those. And salvia. Uh, mushrooms, to me, are a good one if you want it, the psychedelic experience. Uh, and uh, your entrance in it is probably mushrooms are your best bet, I think, because they wear off after a couple hours rather than LSD mm -hmm. lasts you need a day off for that mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. maybe the next day. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but, uh, mushrooms are, you're, you're, there's still after effects after a few hours, but you could probably come home from work, take some mushrooms, go to bed that night. Um, yeah, not for the first time, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, no, no. yeah, you certainly could, you know, yeah. and, um, mushrooms are, we're in a bit of a psychedelic resurgence here. Um, yeah. I was just reading about mind med coming on to the New York stock exchange, um, <laughs> which is interesting. I mean, I think that, I think that there's a very strong scientific case to suggest that uh, microdosing psilocybin is just as effective or more effective than taking like uh, Prozac or some other SSRI. Um, and in fact, we know that the Prozac and the SSRIs are only like 50% effective. I would, you know, I would, I don't think you would be flat out wrong to say that that psilocybin and, you know, especially, you know, you're taking like a, a therapeutic threshold dose. Um, you're essentially messing with the same system in the same way as what you're doing with the SSRIs or other antidepressants. Um, and so I think that it's good for modern medicine to go back to these classics and say, okay, well, what, what made the classics so great? It was actually a funny, uh, a funny <laughs> quote in the beginning of this article where it says like, um, you know, several of these compounds have been used since antiquity for centuries, um, possibly due to the effects that it has on, you know, consciousness or cognition, like possibly <laughs> for the effects they give you. It's like, yeah, buddy. But it's the only reason why they're still around. What are you talking about? <laughs> I feel like if you talk to some of these like scientists that write these things, that they would be a lot more, uh, you know, candid and mellow about it. And they just feel like they have to write these things 
as in a similar way to when you go to work, you have to be polite to everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and, and have a different uh, personality than in at home. You can just, you know, be more yourself. I feel like some of these introductions, like they have to write, oh, be careful, everybody. You know, they have to like come off. It's like a, like a news person. Like uh, my 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 cousin works in news, and he he says you know all these news personalities. Once the camera goes off, they're all like swearing and like uh-huh, like they have uh-huh. to get it. You know, it's kind of like they have to they have to just you know put all these caveats in, and I don't know. Well, it's it's kind yeah, of it, yeah. don't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> this, you know, really, it's it comes a lot down to funding. Yeah. And okay, the next one, Salvia divinorum. I remember that was popular in I think like the early aughts. Uh, everybody was uh, filming themselves smoking it and then like passing out or talking gibberish, and I that started that. that started to make it illegal in some states. I would like go on yeah. YouTube like frivolously and be like, don't post this it's gonna make it illegal but i remember i used to order extracts and and you get this really weird trip for like five minutes and it's almost like eh that was all right but it doesn't didn't really do anything for me but make me uh loopy for five minutes uh but with some people i've you know it works it used to be uh used in religious ceremonies uh with maria sabina who also used uh, the mushrooms in Oaxaca, Mexico, salvia and mushrooms were introduced by the introduced to the West by uh, Robert uh, Wasson. I think his name is Robert Wasson, uh, but he went down and met Maria Sabina, who was a traditional healer in Mexico uh, and, and a shaman, and um, she gave people salvia leaves and mushrooms. And did a whole healing type thing, so it, it has that tradition. For sure, for sure, yeah. You know, I uh, I certainly remember that. It, 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 what a flashback! Like people hitting a big bong and then just falling backwards. Yeah, um, is what I remember. Um, a lot of them were funny, but it was like it, it kind of created this whole like yeah. Don't tell them. Be cool. <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> don't yeah. come on. Uh, and then it and then it started to be outlawed and certain states or I, I don't even know if it's federally illegal uh it might be i don't know denmark latvia belgium lithuania sweden romania japan and austria are controlled considered an illegal drug in the u.s and its sale okay. in canada is prohibited you know i i don't really have much to say about uh, about salvia i don't think i've ever done salvia i don't yeah i don't remember it um I don't know. It's kind of, it seems to me sort of like robo tripping. It sort of just seems like, yes. I don't know, maybe the only reason you're doing it is to get fucked up. And <laughs> I don't know. It really, it's it. really like that. It, it And it's yeah. like, if you, if you want to get really, if you want to trip hard for five minutes and actually like come out of the experience with something, I feel like DMT is better. Uh, right. Salvi is kind of, yeah, it's just weird, and and I like just bought the extract, and I kind of like smoked it once. I was like, all right, that was weird, uh, <laughs> and then I would just do it again. But it it's not it's it it just doesn't feel good. I don't know. It's just not. Uh, it's just it, there's better stuff. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like that. That's that's well, all and I interestingly. Would say about that. 
you know, salvia, salvia stands on its own in terms of all of these compounds in that it is a selective agonist for kappa opiate receptors. Okay. And then they say thereby exerting its potential hallucinogenic effects. So it, it activates and binds kappa opiate receptors, which I have never known as being tied to hallucinogenic effects. Um, and I think that that that's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't think we have very many kappa opioid receptor like selective agonists for that. So it's a, it's a, a completely different mechanism. Like it's not even dopamine or serotonin based. It's now in your opiate signaling system. Um, so that I think is definitely behind the differences in what's going on, despite, you know, being called a hallucinogenic or psychedelic plant. Um, you know, salvia is certainly different in terms of the pharmacological profile. Yeah. And the last one is Iboga. And I'm looking at my article and I forgot to write about the Iboga section. Uh, I just left it off Ibogaine. with salvia. Yeah, yeah. Ibogaine. And uh, there was a comedian named, uh, oh man, the guy that worked on Chappelle's show, uh, Neil Brennan. He, he was mm-hmm. like extremely depressed and he, his, uh, his uh, show two two mics I think it was called was was about his depression and I think he used ibogaine and it kind of, it, it was like a complete turnaround for him uh it and he actually <laughs> yeah. did a uh like a session with like a psychologist or something like that but uh so yeah he's got a podcast uh, as well and it's recent and recently yeah. he was on there talking about it I'm pretty sure he's talking about ayahuasca though. Oh, um, he okay. might have done Ibergain back in the day, but at least based on the podcast I've seen in the last like two or three months, which there was several, he like, you know, laughs to himself saying like, I got to stop being a, um, like a religious zealot about how great this is, um, to everybody. Um, yeah. so, you know, he's even trying to pull himself back on that, but yeah, very depressed, always searching for a way to do it. Like it has been, has done it all Eastern, Western, no matter where in the world, but nothing's really quite like been like ayahuasca, um, for what he said. Oh, okay. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, I does come up in the context of opiate addiction, certainly. Um, and, uh, in grad school, we gave Ibogaine to the zebrafish um, in that yeah. in that regard. And so, you know what is the weirdest? This all of the hallucinogenics and psychedelics were weird in terms of how they modified the behavior of the of the fish. Yeah. Um, and it, but there was like somewhat of a parallel um, to like human human factors. Like it, so we would video record these fish and then like recreate where they swam in the tank. And with LSD, like rather than chilling, like within a tight little back and forth, they're like up to the top, down to the, like exploring everywhere in these giant swoops. Um, and uh, MDMA, it looked like they were, they would make like quick, sharp turns and be like a little jittery while they were doing it. Um, so that sort of lined up and it was, you know, it wasn't it the psychedelics were interesting because it wasn't clearly like dopamine or, you know, benzodiazepines, but then Ibogaine comes along. And so we do these seven minute tests. Um, you put a fish in no drug, normal control. Essentially the fish goes to the bottom. will stay at the bottom and maybe swim along the bottom till about three or four minutes in. And then they'll make like a swoop up above the halfway point to go to the top and come back down. And then, then maybe they'll do another one. Point being, they stay at the bottom and gradually then feel safe to go up to the top of the water, which is presumably 
um, you know, a way to protect yourself from, from predators eating you is something, something like that. Yeah. Um, so we gave them antidepressants. We gave them benzodiazepines. They would get dropped in the tank and go right to the top. No worries sort of whatsoever. Um, we gave them, we induced opiate withdrawal. They would go to the bottom and they would just stay at the bottom, not even moving like on, on the bottom of the tank. They were, they were so high anxiety. So Ibogaine now comes along. We've done all these psychedelics. We've got a very clear path, like a very clear profile on what a stimulant and a, and a depressant will do. We get the Ibogaine fish and this is, you know, this isn't one fish. This is like, you know, N equals 40 N equals 50, but almost all of them started at the top and then worked their way down to the bottom and then stayed at the bottom. And it was, so in essence, it was a complete reversal like of their entire normal behavioral pattern. And like, you know, I say we struggled to this day trying to come up with some sort of explanation of why that would happen, but it it's, yeah. was extremely unexpected um, and, and a robust uh, phenomenon with the Ibogaine. Yeah. That's the, the, I, I actually just watched uh, one of your videos the other day. Uh, I think it was LSD, uh, Zebra Fish on L- LSD. Hell yeah. And and this, I begin, it's funny, it looks like a, like pears growing from a tree. I'm looking at the picture right now, the <laughs> iboga. And, but uh, yeah, that was about it. And my neighbor now has his lawnmower out, and he wouldn't stop at the weed whacker before. I was like... <laughs> I was trying wild. to mute it. It must have access to your calendar or something. Uh, there. Yeah, definitely. Up and I well. just wanted to keep the windows up. I don't want to stay here in this hot room while it's 80 for the second time all year. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Jonathan Cachet. Check him out at jcachet on Twitter and elsewhere. Nothing in this podcast or anywhere on creativescience.com should be constituted as medical advice. We would never do that to you. Please like, subscribe, comment, get in touch with us. The Creative Science Journal Club is produced by Brian Gallagher, me, for creativescience.com. The music is Captain Big Wheel. The song is Moonrunner. And see you next time. Take care.